Captain's Log, Stardate 76538.2. Starfleet Command has dispatched the Vigilant to an area of space for further investigation that is of great significance to the Klingons, Romulans, as well as the Federation. Lieutenant Commander David joins me on this mission as it may lead to our spacefaring society's best defense. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to key moments. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and back at long last for, like, literature, some novel idea of book stuff like that. See how I did that? My dear friend, Lieutenant Commander David, formerly known as The Decimator for another novel lit trek thing. How's it going, my dude? There are four lights. Oh, sorry. That mission went bad. That's why we haven't recorded for so long, right? That's right. That's right. There, I thought there were five lights. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't more. count past five so i don't know does four come before or after five or after three or before three who knows i before e except after c that's right mm. we're off to a great start off to a great start man dude i haven't seen you in a couple weeks and for our listeners they haven't heard our voices in more than a few weeks that's for dang sure yeah yeah it, it has been a while ever since the uh conclusion of of prodigy yeah. Yeah, that ended, um, that would have been like real time, end of December, uh, whenever yeah. the finale ended. And um, shortly thereafter, like we, I mean, we've been basically taking a break, kind of enjoying like the lull for, for the most part, like with not having to crank out Star Trek content like Cray Cray. Um, but yeah, here we are. We, we got to hang out in person um here at the house so um yeah it was good seeing you and and eric when y'all were all down here yeah yeah that was that was a definitely a good time you know it is kind of funny we stopped recording because the show stopped right yes but you know the whole deal about how a lot of content creators do stop in january and the reason oh really no tell me monetization stops for a lot of people like advertisers are not paying as much because they've just come off the big christmas push okay so like january is usually a lull for creators if they're Hmm. if they're being monetized ad reads youtube ad revenue adsense all that stuff that's why you see a lot of people stop in january it's like oh yeah we just needed a vacation how convenient that you're taking your vacation on the, at the worst time of the year for most people huh. and while your ad revenue <laughs> tanks. <laughs> How about that? I, I, I honestly didn't know about that. Yeah, if you look around, there are a lot of people that take a, take a stop in, in January. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> that's, that's a thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mon- monetary. That's a thing. Who knew? Who <laughs> I mean, we're knew? making so much cash on this. It's like, oh my gosh, man! Between oh all gosh. the podcasting and YouTubing, I do. Gosh, just raking it in, right, man? Like this is, <laughs> we make so much, we get to live like high on the hog, right? Like dollar menu, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Is there even a dollar menu anymore? I, I don't know. This is this is dumb, but like, so we got, uh, you know, the the coupon what it used to just be the mids bag but there's really not a bag anymore it's just like a few coupons they shove into the mailbox periodically yeah and uh they had a arby's coupon i just tossed them i was looking at it i was like well dang it's it's like two for eight for two beef and cheddars used to be three for six what happened i used to be able to get five of the regulars for like eight bucks (laughs) <laughs> wow times Man, have changed i haven't been to an arby's in i don't know how long i had a bad experience the last time i went because i actually do kind of like and they have one of the best cheese sticks in the fast food game okay and their poppers are good too 
but I got, you know, I, normally I'll get just a beef and cheddar sandwich and a, like a four piece cheese stick and, and leave because that's enough calories for an entire day. Mm. But the sandwich I got was the end of the, the roast beef and they thick sliced it because normally it's very thin. So it was thick sliced. It was crusty. It was gross. I mean, it was it was disgusting. Like the texture was terrible and the meat was just not very good. It's like, did you have to give me the very butt end of this? Like throw that away, man. I mean, it, it, come on. Mm. It's like mm. you, you can probably afford to, you know, just like, uh, you know, toss away the two dollar, you know, end roast here. Nobody wants to eat that. Oh, my God. So I haven't been back, and that's been some time ago. Did, so you 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 obviously um, were originally Midwest. Well, you're originally a Texan who became right. a Midwesterner who became a Texan again. That's right. I don't know yeah. how far they reached out, but did you ever go to a place called Rax? Never R- heard of it. R A X. Okay, <clears throat> might have just been an, a small Ohio thing, but it was okay. like when I was a kid, it was a better Arby's. Okay. Literally almost the same thing. It just, for me, it was better. And, uh, there's, they're gone. They're, they're completely gone. There used to be one left in like, uh, the Mansfield area of Ohio. Okay. But I used to, I used to like that as a kid. It was, it was fun going down and getting a sandwich from racks. Man. Yeah. I've never, I've never heard of it. I, I love like the little, like local, like kind of hidden gems you know there was um i wish i could remember the name of it but um there there was a um like this little nothing like pizza joint okay like we're jumping fast food now Mm -hmm. um but there was like this like random just you blink and you miss it kind of like shack like on the side of the road um near a town where i used to live um up in michigan and it had like the greasiest, cheesiest, um, some of the best dough um, kind of pizza I've ever had. And I mean, it was just like a little mom and pop joint, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you could like it, it looked like they, it literally looked like they went to like, you know, the lot of Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, picked up like one of those like um, sheds, you know, in the parking lot and set up their restaurant in that. I mean, it was, it was good. I mean, God, I miss that. Yeah, I miss that fun. so much. There was a, there was a place, um, now that I'm thinking about pizza, which I don't know if you've ever heard of, but um, it was called uh, Benito's. You ever heard of Benito's? No. Okay, maybe it was like a, a Southeast Michigan thing or, or something, but they had these giant, giant, huge pizzas. Um, and like, I mean, they had to have been like 30 inches or something like that. Okay. Dang. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was huge. And like when you, um, I can remember on at least one occasion that we ordered from this, this Benito's place and, um, the guy actually, like if you ordered a big Benito, which is what the thing was, you had to, um, the driver had to actually keep it in their trunk. Um, cause that was the only way to deliver it was like Jeez. to put it in the trunk instead of like, you know, the back seat or whatever. Wow. Kind of ridiculous, but yeah, whatever, whatever. But Arby's man, their curly fries. Pretty good. I've never been much of a curly fry person. Hot hmm. take, but you know, there it is. <laughs> well, you like old lady popcorn. So, I mean, I do enjoy popcorn. Old, but it's old lady cult popcorn. I miss. That's it. true. Yeah, we did have a conversation about that once. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Have you have you um, happened upon the uh, the the cultish old ladies that sell the popcorn? No, popcorn? I haven't been over that way for a while. <laughs> one day, one day I'll get there. Man. Well, party favors, you know, reception favors, just snack favors. I mean, you know, whatever. It's fine. Popcorn's good for any occasion. <laughs> Until it's not. Uh, I don't think I don't think it will ever not be. Mm. So anyway, well, <clears throat> yeah, you and uh, you and Eric were down here uh, not too long ago for um, 
for a little shindig that we had here at the house and um you uh you and a few others survived the fire of 23 so mm-hmm. i'm glad that you're still in uh, in one piece following that incident incident mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and uh we uh we did a few uh, um, southern things while you were down here, among which was going to the good old Fort Worth Stock Show. Yep. And um, um, that was your last day that you were in town before we took you to the airport. Um, yeah. And um, you you ended up leaving with a couple ideas. I think one of which was like some bedding and some like like maybe a knife and um, what else was like a painting or something that you were like kind of interested in. Uh, yeah, there was a yeah, there was that one artist who was there, kind of a pretty realistic um, country drawings. Uh, yeah, those were nice. Uh, we, we had <laughs> yeah the the dumb one, the bed sheets. We had um, we stayed in <coughs> excuse me an Airbnb in Gettysburg when we were there, and they just had like the softest sheets, and okay. it, it's kind of funny that when we were looking for new bed sheets there was there was really just nothing available at the time so we just kind of bought what we could buy but like look you get that high thread count that's where it's at this really does sound like a setup for a sponsor though (laughs) and that's why i only buy from uh but yeah, it was a random stall. Uh, I, I do. I, I kind of like those sort of like uh, fair festival things where you just have a bunch of um, you know local or state. Uh, what would you call them? Just people, yeah. merchants, yeah. Uh, that set up a booth. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, no, we just it was just bed sheets. It was random. It's like we just got got done looking at Longhorn cattle. You know, and then oh, yeah, bed sheets. Oh my God, these are like twenty five hundred thread count. They're super soft. So yeah, we we actually did order some, <clears throat> and then uh, yeah, I, I found a, a pair of boots that Ashley <coughs> likes. So I've I've looked at those. Of course, she <clears throat> you know couldn't pick like a <clears throat> like a <clears throat> like a cheaper pair or anything like that. Just of course know, not. Almost like two hundred fifty dollar boots, but that's kind of what you pay for boots sometimes. <laughs> So you did get them? Is that what you just said? No, 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 no. I haven't got them. I, I have them. Uh, I'm, I'm looking uh, for you know just best price because I'm, I'm still cheap at heart. Mm. But um, yeah, eventually probably get those. But yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun walking around and, and you know seeing stuff and yeah, man. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. The so. If- just a fun story for the listeners too. Um, when we, when we got there, uh, mind you, like I'm, I was pretty dog tired. I mean, from everything going on that weekend and you might have been too, but, um, like we were walking up to like go buy the tickets for admission. Right. And like, we're just standing there and some random lady walks by and is like, Hey, you want a season pass? Here you go. Hands the season pass. And my mother-in-law's there too, which you met, and hands her the other one. So, boom, we got two season passes for this this uh, the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo now. And um, I think it was, we're actually planning on going back here pretty soon. We were going to go back last weekend, um, but we weren't feeling too well, and we were just still recovering from all that stuff too. So, yeah, yeah, man. Fun, fun times, fun times, getting random season passes by random people only yeah. in Texas. That is pretty interesting. Yeah. Did you know about the season pass thing or no? I I thought you just had one. Nope. <clears throat> nope. Here you go. Have one. Okay. Have at it. Uh, everybody's just nice, you know. It's it's it is kind of interesting because like I have seen videos of uh, like foreign people coming to the U.S. for the first time or whatever. These are ten things that I learned while in the United. Oh, hold on, hold on. These are ten things that I learned that are completely different in the United States. That's not a very good British accent, but you know I tried my best. It's late at night, Uh, and and one of them is always 
everybody is so nice. Like people will just talk to you and they'll say hi and they'll tell you their life story and so forth. It's like, it must suck where you come from. <laughs> no offense, man, but like you guys just must hate each other. Like that's, it's, it's weird. And, and granted, I'm not like, I'm not that kind of person who's just gonna, you know, pour out their life story to a random stranger, but like, yeah, I'll say hi. I'll give you the, give you the, the down nod because I don't know you. So you get the down nod if, if I don't know you and you get the up nod if I know you, you know? So, but that's always baffled me. It's like they put ice in everything and like there's central air and their beer's cold and like they have food here and they're all nice. It's like, God, it sounds great. Like you're, you're wherever you're from sucks. Basically. <laughs> no offense to anybody living internationally, but darn, come on, man. Look, we love we love our sweet tea and we love saying howdy every chance we get. So there you go. There you go. Sweet tea. What's what's that Zach Brown song? Sweet tea, homemade wine, pecan pie and homemade wine. And I'm chicken fried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good song. Chicken fried. Boy. Oh Lord! No, it was, it was a good time. Good time yeah. in uh, in the state of Texas. So it's a it's a definitely a different state of mind. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, well, my dude, um, we started a um, a book series um, for the most part almost a year ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, actually, let's let's be a little bit kinder to ourselves. A little over six months ago. How about that? Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. And um, the first one was, um, it, so the first one in the book book series was uh, Captain to Captain, I believe what the name of it was. And um, that started off this storyline about uh, a particular um, artifact that only the Enterprise captains um, were given, more or less. So we're picking up um, in universe, no, not in, we're, we're picking up in our world six months later, but we're also picking up, I believe, internally in this um, second book, Best Defense, um, about six weeks later, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's that's roughly when this is taking place. So sounds good. <laughs> sure, we're gonna go with it because it sounds great. Like I'm well learned or something like that. So. Um, that being said, consider this y'all's red alert as we start talking Trek and we um, dive into book two from the Star Trek Legacies series titled Best Defense by David Mack. So, David, I just want to start off r- real quick with this with this book thing. This was this was kind of tough. Um, I've I've told you I told you this um, over the last few months. You know, like I've tried, I tried it, you know, like giving it the best go I could. And it just, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then I finally like was able to get through it for the sake of this episode. So, um, don't take, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's a little tease for what to expect with this, this, uh, this episode review. I don't know. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I know we, we had originally planned to do this before today. Yeah. I don't remember why we didn't do it. Do you remember? Was it just series or something like that going on? Yeah. So we, okay. So this came out, we recorded it and like we, we uh, published this, the, the first book books episode um, around independence day of uh, 22. And, um, I think that was around the time that we were doing like, um, we had like wrapped up, I think it was like maybe strange new worlds or something like that. And we were doing like all our retros. And then, mm-hmm. um, I had just gotten hired as a full-time faculty member. So there was like the transition to that and like a new job. And there were, there was a whole slew of things. And then just time just ended up just getting away from us period. When we yeah. got back on track with, you know, more of the weekly, you know, show reviews that we've been doing. So fair. So that's, that's our excuse. It is an excuse. <laughs> mm. Mm. Okay. So, uh, David Mack uh, wrote this particular book, like I said, 
And um, if we, if I didn't mention it, and maybe I did because it's been like eons since we did the, the first episode, but this particular series um, was coming out around the same time, um, or actually, the, I'm sorry, the same year as the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. So this was meant to be like a special anniversary series, more or less. And, um, which is why I think you get like some of the characters that you do showing up, um, so far that we've met, you know, like with the first book and of course now here in the second book, um, we'll, we will hopefully get through, uh, Purgatory's Key, which is the finale, um, hopefully before six months. I mean, I'm hoping next month, honestly, if we can swing it. You're, uh, pretty optimistic there, huh? Boy, aren't I. Boy, aren't I. Boy, howdy, are you optimistic? Let's do it. Let's read us a book. It's going to be real good. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm trying not to laugh because I've got, like, some, like, breathing stuff going on. It's fine. I don't want to sound like a dying walrus. It's fine. What does a dying walrus sound like? Now I'm curious. You got it it on the soundboard? Like, uh... (laughs) Don't tempt me, Frodo. Don't tempt me. Okay. So... Um, just a, just a brief recap. I mean, go listen to the episode, of course, but, um, in the first book, um, first book, we, we learned that there's this particular artifact. It's the, called the transfer key, uh, which is a very, um, closely kept secret only by the captains of, um, the Starship Enterprise. And, um, among the captains that have known about it have been, of course, Robert April, um, uh, Christopher Pike, and of course... James T. Kirk. Um, we were meeting some folks along the way, like we always do with any new story, and um, we find out like what the big deal is, and that this thing can connect to like an alternate universe, more or less, and like there's like weapons and other related paraphernalia, I suppose, um, that it's kind of connected to or whatever. <laughs> Just paraphernalia. <laughs> We're just going to go with it. We're just going with it. And um, the story ends with um, what we thought was um, Kirk's uh, yeoman, right? I think she was a yeoman. Yes. Um, who ends up finding out that it's in this secret little hole in the wall in his quarters and steals it and beams out. <gasps> Shenanigans ensue. That's why we're in book two now. So. Yeah. All right. So I guess you don't have to really listen to the episode now, but it's, (laughs) I still have issues with that dude. Like why? Like seriously, like you put it in a hole in a wall in your quarters. Like, yeah, the, 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 the premise is a little shaky, but it, it does feel kind of like that, you know, pseudo slapstick kind of, uh, sixties truck thing. So, yeah, it's, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, well, um, among the folks that are involved in this, we do have um, Una, um, which we know Una from um, the original pilot, but also, of course, from Strange New Worlds. Yep. And um, she went off to go do a thing, and now she's stuck somewhere, basically. Um, and we have um, some of our other folks that are still there too. We have Kirk, we have Spock, we have uh, Bones and all them that are doing their thing too. And the thing that um, I think is more prominent in this particular book compared to maybe even the first one, and I might be, I don't know if I'm overdoing this, but it seems like this was a lot more back and forth with storylines compared to the first one. I don't know if you can recall that much, David, but um, it was just, it was, it was jarring at times, like with how much back and forth there was. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I I see what you're saying. I I don't know if I felt it was, it was crazy jarring or not, but yeah, they, they did bounce. They bounced around a little bit more and it wasn't just like chapter by chapter. It could be in chapters. A hundred percent, which is, um, a little strange it's like the writer didn't want to do like the, the what i typically call the comic book writer thing because it's happened so much in star wars where the book will be like 200 chapters 
Yeah. When in reality, they were just trying to switch point of views so much. But it, 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 it did jump around a fair bit. Yeah. Did you... Um, did you ever read the uh, Divergent book series? No. Um, <clears throat> well, the the last book in the series, in the, in the trilogy, right? That sounds right. Yeah, trilogy. Um, there were a lot of complaints um, because of, like, the voice changed. Um, like, you had, like... Like, with your first two books, you had, like, one consistent sounding voice um, with it. And then you get to the, the third one, uh, which is where, like, your story is ending in this, in this final book. And, like, the odd-numbered chapters are basically, like, one character, character's voice, and the even-numbered chapters are the other person's voice. Oh, right, yeah. So it was like, What? And I know that, like, that's kind of what they do, like, with Song of Ice and Fire, for the most part. But, like, even with Song of Ice and Fire, like, that's, you know, still pretty, pretty, I think, stable throughout, like, how they do it. Um, So, like, that was, like, I think that's the best parallel I can come up with, like, with uh, folks that might decide to pick it up. Like, pick this up is, like, you know, just kind of watch out for that. Like, if you can, you know, just keep an open mind and like press on and, you know, by all means get after it. But just keep in mind that that might be a turnoff for some, for some readers, some listeners um, that, that go into best defense yep. more than the first book, I think. Um, so yeah, we have, we have quite a few things that are going on. Like we have alternate dimensions, stuck stuff. We have Klingons, by the Ooh. way. Yes, um, of course. We got to have us some Klingons and some other like factions. Cause why not? Um, we also have um, a daughter showing up mm-hmm. of a beloved crew member. And um, like, let's see, how else can we, what else can we throw in there? Um, and just a few other like random personnel along the way. So um, yeah, where do you want to start? <laughs> Uh, wherever you want to start, man, <laughs> whatever you want to do. <laughs> so in this, in this alt, in this, like we were talking about this like pre-show cause we were trying to like, like get a grip on some stuff, but Una has decided that she's going to go. Um, like she left, um, she leaves early on depending on how you look at it. Um, and she's in this like alternate world with like this <clears throat> faction of, of aliens. If I'm like remembering this correctly, that, yeah. um, think that they're like alone. They're like the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they just want to like dominate like other human sentient things. Basically, at any cost. People. Yeah. Um, So. And and there, but there's like this weird like time thing. Like time is like moving, in like a weird way. Like, what do you mean this hasn't happened yet? Or what do you mean this is happening? Or, you know, all this like weird stuff that's going on. Like, how did you make sense of that? Like, as you were like listening or reading this, dude? Because like. I was getting lost with that at times. Yeah, I, I didn't make much sense out of it. Honestly, it was um, it was confusing, and it was uh, it, I I don't know because I, I I was thinking to myself, it's like, did they did they explain anything here, or am I missing something? I just kind of felt like uh, you know. It, it just it didn't make a ton of sense I assume will probably eventually <coughs> uh, explain it but yeah it, sort of a you know some sort of time dilation uh, trippy messes with your head you, you don't eat you don't sleep you don't remember walking distance um, because is it I mean is time really passing 
or is it not just seems to really mess with your perception of time but I, I don't think that that's been explained yet right yeah like there's a there's a part um, I want to say it's closer to the end of the book where like Una and um, what's the other guy's name dang it um, where they're like more or less doing like what the like Beverly did in like that little like um, like alternate time warp bubble thing that she was in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, they're te- like doing like reality testing basically. Yeah. Um, and like wait, we're not where we think we are. We're not doing what we think we're doing type of thing, and it's just like mind. Yeah, they were in a pit for a bit. Weird stuff. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, but we're we're having to deal with like um like this eventual like marshalling of these folks to go like have an all on war, this onslaught with people from our universe ostensibly. Um, whenever the door is opened if it's ever opened yeah which we had saw from the prior book because they did come they did come to our universe or our section of reality and uh were effectively repelled and uh yeah i mean they believe that they're a superior form of life or what did they what do they call creature yep What are you talking about, creature? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well. Here we go. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the the whole timey wimey thing. <clears throat> uh. Yeah, it got a little it got a little confusing that whole part. But I mean, effectively, she's there to rescue her crew that were taken in the first encounter. Right. So. Which I'm going to be interested to see how they, how that all works out. If it does work out right in the final book. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like the, it's like the whole like wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff that they're dealing with, um, with, with that particular crew from years and years ago, which, doesn't feel like years and years ago for for some of them yep so um and sadly i think that's pretty much like the gist of like what we're dealing with with una and and the crew i mean like they're for something that i kind of expected to be maybe a little bit more it wasn't true yeah it was uh It wasn't the uh, the meat of this particular book. No, I would probably consider this like... I mean, like, you look at the back of this thing. Like, you look at the back of the book, and it, like, tells you exactly what to expect in this book. Yeah. Like, a debt of honor, a mission of peace, an errand of justice. And it talks about debt of honor, one brave woman. Okay, Una. Mission of peace, Klingon Federation Peace Conference. Cool. Errand of justice, Kirk and crew. Okay. So, there are your thirds right there. Yep. Exactly. There you go. So, we've already done like a third of the book, and like Una's is like the C plot as far as I'm concerned. 100%. 100%, yeah. I, I, I think it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, designed to be cooler than it wound up, maybe. Probably. Yeah. Definitely. It, didn't wind up being a super interesting part of the story, at least for me. Yeah. So I guess like the next part, like what would you consider the, like, what would you consider the a plot? Like, would it be the Klingon stuff or the more the Sarek kind of stuff? Sarek and Vulcan stuff. Well, I mean, for me, I would probably categorize those almost in the same vein. And I'm kind of th- throw it. Yeah. You meant the Romulan thing? Yes, I'm sorry. Got it. You're correct. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, 
I would say the Romulan thing's probably more like the B and the, the Klingon Sarek uh, Kirk is the A plot. Okay. The, um, and I think you could easily summarize the Romulan storyline pretty quickly too. Probably. <laughs> the 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 Romulan stuff and like all the Kirk like diplomacy stuff that we we experienced the way, the way I experienced it um, is that oh my gosh I wish Eric was here right now because I'm totally blanking on an episode but there was an early next gen episode. Um, Season, I want to say season two, possibly three, t- probably two though, where there are these like gangs. Um, they look like like like, um, like eighty like an eighties biker gang, basically. Ooh. Um, where they're like having like turf wars and like um, scrounging for stuff. And oh my gosh, I need to find this episode because I'm totally blanking right now. But whenever like there there's a particular point in the book where Kirk is negotiating with someone like just tell us what you want we want a commode um potable water okay cool you want that's it no no we want more we want more um but I mean overall like it was I don't know like the Romulan stuff was like pretty much just like it's to me it seemed like just like hostage just hostage and like get some stuff and let's get away from so we can focus on like Sarek and Gorkon yeah yeah I mean the whole the whole arc is just you know you have the former yeoman it was it Lisa Bates I think was the name maybe yeah Lisa who turns out to I don't know was she a human or a Romulan, because it kind of seemed like she was just a human who got like, I thought picked she was up a human. Romulans. Okay, and uh, <clears throat> you know she gets the transfer key. She's utilizing a uh, Romulan ship to deploy it, but it's really not compatible with the technology. So it's messing <coughs> things up. You get a little bit of a mutiny from the captain, which fails miserably. It was to me, it was. Um, it was all very uninteresting and okay i'm just gonna say this uh here and now say what you need to say i don't know this writer like should i know this writer chase david mack yeah um yeah okay why um well written a few of the books that we've already read He's re- he, he wrote some DS9. Apparently, um, I'm just looking now. Um, so Oblivion's Gate. Yeah, we, we read, that. read that. The third in the coda. Okay. Um, so quite a bit. Yeah, he's he's pretty prolific in like the the Star Trek side of things, and I think we've read at least close to a handful of his books. Okay, this was the worst attempt. To, to connect to characters for me that I felt I've read in a while. I don't know because because like now that I'm looking them up, now I'm even more disappointed uh, because I thought the categorization of the Romulans was almost like too much. I thought that the stuff with McCoy and his daughter, uh, jo- Joanne, <clears throat> I I didn't particularly enjoy that either. I don't feel like any of that was realistic. I know we're in fantasy world and these are fake characters, but it didn't feel realistic. I don't think that the interactions between Sarek and Kirk were quite as realistic as I would expect. But, you know, with this whole Romulan story arc, it's like it's almost like you got somebody who said you have one point to bridge off of do not go any further than this It's like uh the romulans uh they they you know they're, they're scared of the tal shiar and they do whatever they're told sorry man but like i just don't think so 
Like it, it just seems almost like a very simplistic read because my thing is there's really nothing stopping or there should really be not much stopping this ship captain, which apparently they made this whole big deal about how revered a ship captain is. There should be no reason why that mutiny shouldn't have worked except the, the plot line demands that it can't. Yeah. So for me, and, and I, I don't want to like be mean about it, but I don't think that this, this, this writer here, I just don't feel like he captured very much realism in our fantasy world. And I was, I was disappointed by that because I hated that Romulan arc. I hated everything about it. It was annoying. Bates was annoying. The, the captain's response was fine, but like, uh, Mirat, the centurion annoying and confusing. I mean, it, it just didn't make much sense to me. Sure. That's all I'm saying there. Sure. Sure. I mean, to me, it was like largely forgettable if I'm being honest with you. Um, The uh, maybe if I'm sure it falls more within like the Vulcan Klingon side of the story, but um, when we came to meet up with um, uh, McCoy's daughter, mm-hmm. right, like the nurse, I didn't necessarily mind it. Um, I kind of enjoyed reading and like hearing and learning about that but at the same time it at times it did seem pretty wooden and forced and I, I realized yeah. like we're kind of like in a um, uh, a box right because of where this is taking place like we're, we're talking about this being um, around the time of the vampire episode I think it's called obsession from uh, original series so and we don't really hear much, if at all, about, um, that I'm aware of, that I can recall, like McCoy's kids, or kid-o, or whatever, um, in the series or in the movies, um, off the bat. So, I get it, like, we gotta, we gotta do something, you know, if we're gonna bring her in, we gotta do something, and then we gotta, like, make her kind of, like, disappear after a little bit. But... I didn't. I wasn't particularly crazy about how they handled um, that character's um, exit in this book. Like she's a nursing student, right? Yeah. Like she's she's like fine. Okay, you're gonna be in the medical field. Fine, be a nurse. Cool. Whatever floats your boat, man. Sure. Um, you know, and like there's like some tension. Like, I think there's, like, some natural tension, you know, between, like, father and daughter, whatever. That's fine. I can live with it. I can live with that. Um, And then, like, how things just start to happen and, like, trying to question mark, give her a a noble moment, question mark, not not a question mark, um, with her ultimately um, dying when it's all said and done. Yeah, um, so I, I think my, my problem is that again, it, it kind of boils down to like some of the realism. If you face two separate death defying jaunts, are you going to do yet another? Right. Like there, there, there's a level of stupidity there that doesn't resonate with me. It, it kind of like almost seemed like the intention was to kill off a character more so than have kind of a natural line to that. Because the whole thing is, is like you're took, you're you're taken hostage yep. by our spy person. And, you know, you and your dad are captured. You, you could have been killed. You fight your way out of it. No big deal. But then you're like, I've got to go to class. 
I'm not feeling it. Like, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. Um, <clears throat> but there, there's a lot about it I do get. Uh, when we talk about <clears throat> the estrangement between McCoy and his wife, which is well documented. Yeah. He's always complaining. <laughs> My ex-wife got the divorce, or got the planet in the divorce. <clears throat> But, and, and like, even some of the things, because, like, McCoy even slips at one point and, you know, kind of talks some crap about the mom. Natural reaction. But, you know, towards the end, when we have her go back to the planet, it's like, just stay a day. It's not an unreasonable request. <clears throat> but we have to have this whole sort of this whole thing about stop trying to run my life, dad. It's like, first of all, you're not 16 anymore. You got to think. Second 100%. of all, it's a day on a starship after you've only almost been killed twice. Shut up and go to the room. And like McCoy, just his takeaway was, well, you know, sometimes you just got to push him off the nest. You know, sometimes you just got to let them go and do their own stupid thing. It's like, <laughs> There, there's a there, there's a, a a distinction between letting somebody live their life and keeping someone safe because you know that there's something bad. It could have just as easily been dialogue where it's like, I can't tell you what's going on, but you're not safe down there. So we didn't do that. And again, it's it's like right. I understand we're in a fantasy world. I understand that we're in a book, not even television. It's a book. But you have to have some phase of realism here, man. It's just, it's it's very odd. It, and it makes it odder because you have sentimental moments between the two. You do. And if you don't have that, okay, I get it. She's just trying to run away. But they clearly have sentimental moments. You can't have everything. You can't have your cake and eat it too. And there was a little bit too much of that play here. And I, I, I just didn't, I didn't really get that as much. Yeah. Is there a canon jo uh, daughter? If there is, it's completely escaping me. And all the Trekkies are yelling at me maybe right now. I don't know. I really, I really don't remember. Okay. If only there was a way that we could find out on the fly. Uh, uh, let's see. It doesn't really... I'm not really seeing anything specific, but, uh, you know, who knows? I could be missing it. Well, it says... Wait, was she killed? Or did was she sent to the alternate universe? I mean, Kirk straight up said she's gone. She's dead, basically. Okay. I don't know. I, 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 I don't remember too well that. <laughs> but, okay. Cool. Because I know we, we, we do have a whole host of people who were sent there including Sarek, his wife Gorkon of all people you know, Gorkon the one guy uh, which um, I actually wanted to pick your brain on that just cause like I don't know but obviously you know we get into the movie uh, yeah. what was that, uh, Undiscovered Country right? Yes. Had and he was killed in undiscovered country. That's correct. But well, okay. Is this book canon? <laughs> Did it attempt to be canon? Because the whole thing is is like Kirk and Gorkon met before, Oh no, wait. They didn't meet because he was already sent to the alternate universe. But at least he knew about him beforehand yeah anyway yeah 
Okay, so I'm looking and born in 2249, Joanna McCoy is the daughter of Leonard H. McCoy. <clears throat> okay, but that doesn't tell me anything, like if that's canon or not. Hmm. Yeah, it might have been a pseudo fact that they didn't really they didn't really like uh, exploit anywhere, maybe. Yeah. Okay. But it will make the rescue effort <clears throat> Uh, for Una and now an increasing number of people a lot more important for our next book yeah. so. okay he did I'm sorry yes he did have a daughter he did Okay. it is canon that he had a daughter good 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 okay that's good podcasting right there good podcasting great podcasting that's right that's right um but as far as like the book being canon, I don't think so. Okay. I think I didn't feel like it was. Yeah, because like I think you're dealing with too many issues like with the timeline, but we're also dealing with like alternate universe stuff too, like you were kind of saying. Yeah. Um because like we're talking like about almost 20 some odd years, give or take, plus or minus, you know, like between what's happening here and what's going to happen in undiscovered country. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Unless like you have like one of those like men in black neuralizers where you get to remember what we want you to remember. I don't, I don't see it happening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, we have, um, we have Sarek, we have, uh, we have Gorkon and we have a few other folks, um, in the mix too. And um, at the height of like the players that are being threatened through um, a good amount of like this middle to end section for the most part um, is Sarek. Um, yep. Sarek shows up and so does his wife, his human wife. And um, they're threatened and um, they're um, apparently banished to the other world. They're, or they, they're zapped or they're both. I don't know. Um, but they're gone, more or less, when it's all said and done. So we are clearing the field of all the players in this particular book um, very unceremoniously, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so, like, what are you really left with? Like, I mean, like, the, the main, I think the main thing is everyone's gone. People are still somewhere. Um, let's go get the key. Yep. Which I think you could, that's like basically like the same call to action that would have been at the very end of the first book. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Something happened. Let's go get the key. Like that's how the first book ended. And then, like, right. you get to the second book. Something just happened. Again, let's go get the key. Exactly. Get the key. David, next time I have an idea about hiding something in, like, you know, a shoebox in, like, my closet, just, just tell me don't do that, you know, because that might start, like, an interdimensional war. People might disappear, and I might not like that. Yeah, we should probably talk about the thing that's uh, behind the bulkhead, you know, just get that out of here then. Yeah, maybe <clears throat> send it to Starfleet Command, you know, finally fess up. Or not. It's probably still there. It's probably on the on the um, Enterprise F <laughs> right now for all we know. Hey, could, you, <clears throat> could you imagine just uh, if you wanted to string this story on further... Just to Picard, you know. That's, that's the storyline for Picard season three. Freaking transfer key is going to show up in Picard season three, isn't it? Great. Just, just fantastic. Woo. Can't wait. 
okay. <laughs> Even though we're dealing with a completely different enterprise. <laughs> we are. It just transfers with it. <laughs> the engineers find it. They're like, I'm just going to put this right over here. <sighs> right over here. Okay. I mean, has anything else happened? Like, is there anything else that we need to talk about with this book? Uh, sort of destruction of the planet, kind of typical stuff. The Romulans trying to destroy as much as they can. We have our, you know, split second. Gotta, gotta go fast and catch them and, and beam the beam the stuff off and destroy the Romulan ship before it kills people and all that good jazz. Next time on Star Trek. That's right. Da na na. And that's the book. Scene. (laughs) Scene. It's a pretty classic middle book. Yeah. Yeah. Not much progresses, really. At all. No. At all. Um, I know that we were pretty split on it, but I would say that the middle book of Coda was better than the middle book of this series. Yeah, probably. It's been a while, but probably. Yeah, it's been been about a year, I think, since we did Coda, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Sure yeah. has. Anyway, well, um, any final thoughts before we, um, I guess, talk about how we would rate this and evaluate the book as a whole? No, I don't think so. I think we've gotten it out there. Okay, it's in the multiverse. It's fine. All right, so um, yeah, um, we do books on a scale of uh, one to five stars or deltas or whatever. We do. it's out of five. Um, so, uh, what are you thinking, man? What are you thinking about how to rate this book and your your overall thoughts uh, with this particular uh, story? Yeah, interestingly enough, when I went to look it up online, because I always like to kind of see general ratings and so forth i always come in with a rating but i like to uh i like to kind of see what other people say too goodreads had it at a four out of five i find that hard to believe that's what it has Uh, goodreads is usually fairly reliable um but i mean it was it was a pretty classic middle book it wasn't particularly good though uh for me For me, it just it didn't have it didn't have enough connection to the characters, and like I, I don't claim to be like a Star Trek super fan. I don't know everything about everything, but I've watched that show, all the shows, several times through. I've read books, um, you know. I, I've gotten into a lot of the media as well, probably more than most people have. Um, <clears throat> And I think I can categorize most of the characters pretty quickly. I think that I think that this guy missed the mark on <coughs> some of the way in which he portrayed certain people. Uh, I think he played too much into the frustration of Kirk, when in reality, Kirk's actually a lot more cool than most people when in command. Um even though they kind of, you know, are talking about him more as sort of like a not very senior captain. Um, the the Romulan thing was a little bothersome. The the jo- Joanna McCoy thing and, and Dr. McCoy thing was a little... It, that just wasn't good enough, in my opinion. But the, the story itself, it didn't progress anything. It didn't really give us any new wrinkle. We, we left off right where we left off in the last book, except more people have been transported into the other dimension. I don't expect resolution. That's not the point of a middle book. But I do expect some progression, like some new wrinkle. Something that makes me want to pick up the last book. And just to rescue the people is not quite enough for me normally. Sure. Um, so I think it was a big letdown. I don't remember what we gave the first book. Do you have that written down? No, not, I, I haven't done it with the books, I don't think. I probably okay. should. That's no big deal. Um, but I, I, I just don't think it, it stood up very well on its own. 
and uh, and that was that was disappointing. I mean, there's there's some okay stuff in here. I, I won't like completely uh, completely flame it, but it was disappointing. So with all that said. I came in with a score. I think I'm going to just go ahead and keep that at a 2.8. Oh, wow. Okay. I just didn't care for it. It was confusing, and it, it didn't it didn't advance anything, and I didn't like the characters, so. Okay. Wow, I have, I have at least one book rating on here. Yeah, sick. <laughs> but it's, but it's not from, from Captain... Uh, Captain's Oath. So it's fine. It's fine. Um, all right. So like I like I, I pointed out um, in the discussion just a few moments ago, um, the, this was like almost. Um, it didn't have like the same um, excitement, stakes, or mystery. Um, I think that the first book might have had a little bit more of, or just had outright um, in general. Um, if you read the first one, you could you're, you're probably pretty good um, because something happened. Let's go get the key. Is basically the message. Um, so, uh, some things that I, I enjoyed. Um, the moments we were with Una, I enjoyed. Um, the moments, um, particularly the moments that we had with, um, with Chekhov, I enjoyed. I thought Chekhov was, a, uh, for whatever reason, a standout character in this particular book. Um, I liked how he was characterized um, and how they used him personally. Uh, same with Sulu. I thought they did like those two were were very well done um, among the the supporting cast, so to speak. Um, and I'm kind of ambivalent about like the Joanna McCoy stuff. Um, but this was a like like you said, David, this is very much a a middle book. so it's um, it's just there, and I wanted more uh, from it. Um, and if I'm like like my comments might have um, you know told on me at the beginning, this was kind of a slog to get through for me. Um, I had to go multiple times to to really get through this particular story. So um, I don't know if I would actually pick this book up again and and, and read it one more again. I really don't. Um, it would have to be one heck of an ending in the next book for me to probably pick the this this trilogy back up again. Um, but that that's where I stand right now, having not read the third book. So just take that with a grain of salt. Um, part of me wants to flame it. Uh, with like an asterisk or something, you know, until um, I reread the third one. So um, I'm giving a conditional flame on this one. Captain's prerogative. There we go. Um, I came in with this number and I'm just going to leave with it. And I'm just giving myself the out to increase it or leave it the same or whatever once we get through the trilogy. But um, the number I just feel pretty good about it's just a solid two. Cool. Wow. Yeah, you uh, went lower than I did. <laughs> sure did. Sure did. So, yeah, two out of five. Two out of five. Wow. Um, so that's that. We have um, we have one more book um, in the Legacy series, um, and it'll be called Purgatory's Key. And... Um, like I said, I really hope we can get through that um, sooner uh, rather than later. Uh, maybe either next month or the following month we'll be able to, to knock that one out, just depending on schedules and stuff. But 
we have um, we have a backlog of some books I know that uh, we need to get through that we want to get through that's one of them uh, what was it the second self book which is like a, a Picard mm. book that came out yep um, in the fall which was an, another thing like we're kind of behind on like some of our uh, Trek books and um, um, Harm's Way is another one which is a TOS era uh, book um, and then I think that we were um, I think I'd pitched something to you about um, like this like Star Trek online kind of comic kind of series um, oh yeah right type of thing so um, I guess we'll just kind of like play it by ear, but um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get back to like the, the book stuff because like I enjoy this, I enjoy having book discussions with you and um, just seeing more of what's out there, like when it comes to Star Trek literature. Yeah, for sure. So there is no Twitter poll. So Eric, if you're listening, sorry, buddy. I know you're crying right now. Poor guy. Poor guy. Poor guy. Well, that's that's all I got. That's all I got. So, um, as usual, dude, it's always a pleasure hanging out with you and talking track, talking whatever with you. So, um, thank you once again for, for hopping on and, and talking with me, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, gang. Well, all you out there in listener land, what'd you think of the episode? Um, you know, what'd you think of this particular, um, book that we covered just now? Um, we'd love to hear about it. Um, did you, have you read it? Did you like it? Um, do you feel kind of similar to myself? Do you feel similar to uh, Commander David? Uh, let us know um, your thoughts about this book, your opinion, how you would review it, how you would rate it. Um, you can do that. Make sure you send us a note to trtvpod at gmail.com. Uh, of course, you can tell us about it, too, and we can play your voice on air um, by leaving a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit, so be quick about it. Otherwise, the transfer key is going to get you. Um, other than that, if you want to mail us something like a shoebox to hold the transfer key in in some random closet, uh, make sure it gets through to uh, the Lone Star Station P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Guys and gals, as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.